Hey, Kev, let's let's follow this trail over here. This looks like there might be something waiting down there. All right. Hey, wait a minute. Do you hear that? Yeah, I thought it was just me. What the heck is that? I don't know what that is. Whoa, do you smell that, too? That's unbelievable. Hey, look. What the? Hey, look, those, those branches are moving over there. What the heck is that? Holy cow, is that what I think it is? Look at that thing. It, oh my god. It's a freaking Sasquatch. Welcome to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters podcast. I am your host, W.J. Sheehan. Hello to all of our many listeners, and welcome once again to our show. My name is W.J. Sheehan, author of the series Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters, Nine volumes available at Amazon in paperback and ebook and in audio format, volumes one through eight at Audible, Amazon, and iTunes as well. Please go out and buy some copies, and you'll make me very happy. And now, may I introduce you to my brother and co host. KJ Sheehan. Kev, how are you? I'm doing great, Bill. How about you? Pretty good, pretty good. You know, uh, one of our listeners, I had, I reach out to a lot of people, and believe it or not, folks, very few people return my call even when I reach out to them, so that's kind of weird. <laughs> uh, but I spoke to a lovely lady uh, named Margaret. Uh, the other night, uh, 66 years old, formerly of Western Pennsylvania, now living in Texas. And yet again, she did not see a Bigfoot. However, she was well familiar with what a bear was and what a bear looks like, etc., etc., One day in Western Pennsylvania, around 1980, her husband had taken their ladder to work. And uh, being industrious, she wanted to do some painting of the eaves on her house. So she rolled out a empty 50-gallon drum and climbed up on it and was using that as her platform. So while she was up there, she heard and felt a large, uh, voluminous growl. Uh, And yet again, Kev, she said like this thing went through her. She could feel it. And immediately she told me she was shorter than five feet, like four foot ten or something, a little lady. Uh, Here she is precariously standing on this drum, now with whatever this was, feeling like it was 15, 10, 15, 20 feet behind us, what am I going to do? I'm going to die here. But she turned around, having heard this, and there was a cluster of pretty large trees. When I say large, diameter-wise, you know, six, eight inches, with some tall grass growing up through and around them, up against the woods, kind of. And these trees were shaking. Hmm. 
And I said to Margaret, it'd be very difficult for even the strongest of men to shake one tree that was eight inches in diameter. And she was in agreement. Now, she didn't see anything. Eventually, she jumped down off of the drum and ran into the house. Uh, blah, blah, blah. The rest of the story is kind of insignificant. But, you know, what is that? Think about it, Kev, right? What can make such a noise that it goes through you? And she said it was not a bear. Uh, and bears, and she knew enough, like bears don't generally shake big trees. They may climb them. They may scratch them with their claws. They may rub their backs against them. Yep. But to shake numerous, like something was in between them, rattling them with its hands. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense, man. So there you have it. Margaret, formerly of Western Pennsylvania and a little tale of the old freaky deaky. (laughs) (laughs) I tell you, that would have scared the bejeebas out of me, man. Yeah, especially while you're standing up on top of something doing a chore, right? Yeah, holding a paintbrush. Yeah, that's a little a little spooky as they say. <laughs> I guess it's it's not that easy to always carry more gun than you <laughs> think you're going to need. Not when you're carrying a paintbrush that's full of paint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have your old Smith and Wesson at your side. You and know, you, you got to do white- your chores. You're not, not always armed while you're doing your chores. <laughs> well, you don't go armed to the supermarket? Yeah, sometimes I do. <laughs> not usually armed uh. when I'm vacuuming, though. <laughs> yeah, no, I understand. I understand. <laughs> so uh, what do we have this evening, bro? Yeah, so in Cryptids in the News and Other Oddities, we're going into the modern-day news. So very recently, just a few days ago, we had an article, and I don't know if you saw this or not, Bill, from over in Scotland, from the Daily Mail in Scotland, uh, where a couple that was on holiday, so on a little vacation, they shot some video of what they think is the Loch Ness Monster. Ooh. Did you happen to see this a few days I back? I have not, but um, are you going to post it? Yeah, I will definitely post it on our website, yeah, so. com under episode 149. Yeah, so another filming of Nessie. How's yeah, and one of the experts, you know, on Nessie says it's the best footage in the last 20 years. Wow, that's now, saying I, something. I watched the footage, and, you know, it's it's taken from a long way away, you know, which is reasonable, because um, the, the couple, you know, in their 50s, they were on vacation, on holiday there, and the woman got up early in the morning, about 6 a.m., to take some pictures of the Loch Ness. Because there was no wind, you know, so it was, and you'll see in the video, it's a mirror, you know, a sheet of mirror glass is the surface of the water. So spectacular. Uh, But they're up on the hillside, a couple of hundred yards away from the water, I would guess, maybe a hundred yards away from the water. And you do see this wake going along. All right. The film's about two minutes long. 
and um, it's going along, and then it starts turning towards shore. There's absolutely no boats out on the water, and absolutely no wake at all. And um, the couple and the experts that looked at it, I can't really tell looking at it even on my big screen on the computer, um, they say that they see humps breaking the surface of the water and something powerful and swimming and turning underneath the water. Hmm. Now, did you see any of that or these people? I saw, I see the strong wake. You know, and um, they say it was about 150 yards off the shore. And this gentleman, Gary Campbell, who spent the last 26 years logging every credible sighting of Nessie, said it's the best footage he's seen in decades. Well, you know, you got to say to yourself, Kev, first of all, perfect conditions. Oh, really? Like a sheet of glass and 6 a.m., you know, no wind. No boats out, no fishermen around. Right. And listen, everybody knows there's no tidal current in a lake. Uh, Outside of blowing gales and wave movement, uh, that's the only thing that could move a log or anything large through the water. But again, when was the land? Kev, look, I'm a fisherman, right? Right. I've seen I've run up on logs floating in the water and just back down the throttle before you hit them. Ain't nothing moving around at any kind of speed floating in the water. It's simply there lumbering along in the current wherever it came from and wherever it's going to end up. There's, there's nothing moving at speed like a, a mini sub or uh a jet ski at slow idle or something. It just doesn't happen. No, no. And, and um, you know, it's interesting. This couple, they say that, and, and by the way, they want to remain anonymous, but they're happy to have their footage that they took be analyzed. They also took some still shots, too, that were uh-huh. not posted, but the experts say the still shots are even more informing than the video. Um, But the video, I would say, definitely is something living. You know, it's a creature. Mm -hmm. I just can't tell from the distance if it's a big fish swimming along the surface or a big bird swimming along the surface or something like that. You You just can't tell. But there is definitely a big wake cruising along and then making a turn. Any kind of estimates as to the length of what is seen? You know, from my vantage point, I can't tell. I'm looking here. They say um, estimated between uh, 20 and 30 feet long. Yeah. And that's what you can see. Yeah, that's what she says. Yeah, I mean, come on. It's it's not a bird. No, I know. I'm just saying. It's some kind of creature. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm well familiar with all kinds of stuff down the I mean, the definitely water. not a log floating. That's what I was yeah. reacting to. Um, yeah. You know, probably not a bear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a bear in a scuba suit. Uh, Yogi yeah, bear yeah. looking for some picnic baskets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love that stuff. Hey, boo-boo, got any picnic baskets? <laughs> Gee, Yogi. <laughs> hey, that's a pretty good boo. That's a pretty good boo boo. 
That's right, Kev. <laughs> Watch out for Ranger <laughs> Smith. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, you know, I give credit. I, I've seen a few, uh, more than a few Nessie shots through the years. And I'll, I'll be honest with you. I found a number of them to be quite compelling. Well, and the cool thing is, like, you know, although they say the still photos were better than uh, the video, the video is compelling to me because you can tell, like I said, it's something moving. And right. it can't be a log or something because it's just a sheet of glass, the water. So it is definitely some type of creature likely mm-hmm. moving under the water and just breaking the surface of the water. Yeah. So, and, you you know, know, and, uh, I, and this is another one of these lakes, right? The Loch Ness that's mm-hmm. super deep and pretty darn large and pretty much unexplored. So just like uh, Lake Champlain where Champy is... And a couple of those lakes that I talked about out in the Pacific Northwest where there's other creatures living in them, rumored to be living in them, and some pretty cool video and photographs as well. You know, Loch Ness is the original, right? Uh-huh. Uh, documented uh, cryptid lake, cryptid inhabited lake, right? Yeah. What do you think, like, our biggest deal is? Like a moray, uh I, I, look, I've watched eels swim through the water. They don't uh, uh, generally come to the surface, and the way they move uh, does not lend itself to forming bumps like a roller coaster ride on the surface. Uh, well, so I can tell I you have... too. We went out to Jordan Lake here in North Carolina, out near Pittsburgh, North Carolina. Um, I was going to be racing my sailboat last Saturday and Sunday. And we went out on Friday night just to drop the boat off at the lake. And it was a sheet of glass, you know, wow. like 6 o'clock at night. No boats out, not a breath of wind. And we brought some dinner with us to eat there just looking at the lake after we dropped the boat off. And there it mm-hmm. was, like right out about 100 yards offshore, we saw a snake swimming along the surface of the water, probably a copperhead. Uh-huh. And But you're not going to mistake this snake. For some other big creature. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I wasn't yeah. close enough. It was 100 yards away. I couldn't identify what kind of snake it was, but it was clear it was a snake. Right. You know, and it wasn't even if, an it eel. Was, even if it was six or eight feet long, a big snake. It was it still a big snake. Like a, You're not, you yeah. weren't thinking like, oh, it's a sea monster. No, it was a snake. Yeah, yeah. especially to the trained eye, which you have. Yeah, yeah. So you, but I mean, even if somebody hey, never saw a snake swimming in the lake, they'd say, "Oh, look, it's a snake." Like, yeah, it's it's so obvious. So you like the scale of it, the wake of it. Yeah, it made a little tiny wake, but you right. wouldn't have been able to see it like this one. Again, when you folks and you Bill look at this video, you'll see it's pretty significant wake. Like the bad news is, the video's from far away. The good well, news is, you can see the wake so clearly, you know it's significant. It's not an eel. Yeah, well, you know, you know, there'll be people who said, why didn't you get a little closer? Well, there'll be people. I mean, she wasn't shaking, though, when she took the video. That's yeah. the good news. Yeah. But there'll be people yeah. saying maybe it was a bear, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, that's really Maybe it was crazy. a Labrador retriever. I didn't even think <laughs> of that. Fetching something. A, a very large Labrador retriever. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but, you know, I looked into it a little bit, Bill, because we've never done a, a podcast on Nessie when I looked back. Yeah. And yeah. I'm not going to do a full one here now, but we will hit on it. But it's interesting that the earliest report of the monster Nessie in this vicinity of Loch Ness appears in a publication called The Life of St. Columba, who mm-hmm. was uh, uh, an Irish monk uh, mm-hmm. by the name of St. Columba, and he was staying in the area there, and mm-hmm. he went out for a little hike, and he encountered some local residents buried burying a man, and they explained that the man was killed while he was swimming in the River Ness, which attaches there to the lake, when he was mm-hmm. attacked by a water beast that mauled him and dragged him underwater despite their attempts to rescue him by boat. Wow. And this goes back to 565. Yeah, not exactly uh, last week. No. And I heard something once a long time ago of some uh, credible witness that encountered the beast walking across like a dirt road. Exactly. So I came across that, too. So uh, Uh let me find that one here for you, Um, because I hadn't heard of that one. Uh Um, Well, there's a couple of them. This this Aldi Mackey in 1933 discussed Uh a sighting of an enormous creature with the body of a whale rolling in the water in the lock while she and her husband were driving on the A82, I guess it's a motorway, in April mm-hmm. of 1933. Wow. Yeah. Well, you know, certainly, uh, let's do that one day. Let's just, let's bring out all the evidence and see what can be had uh, <clears throat> as far as, well, you know, articles, et cetera, et cetera, and uh, see what we can put together. So. It definitely sparks my interest. Yeah, yeah. So let let me, uh, I promise to tell you that one you were talking about, about uh, why did Nessie cross the road, right? So, yeah, so that yeah. sighting came from a gentleman named George Spicer in 1933. And this really sparked his sighting and the reporting of his sighting sparked a lot of the modern day interest in mm-hmm. the Loch Ness Monster. And um, this gentleman reported on July 22nd, 1933, that he and his wife saw what was what's in quotations as a most extraordinary form of animal that crossed the road in front of their car. They described the creature as having a large body about four feet high and about 25 feet long. And a long, wavy, narrow neck, slightly thicker than an elephant's trunk. And that was as long as 10 or 12 feet. Wow, that's a pretty good description. I know. I never heard that one before either. And listen, not exaggerated in dimensions. They're not saying a brontosaurus. A four-foot-tall, somewhat large body... Yeah. A neck slightly thicker than an elephant's trunk. Yeah, and the whole thing about 25 feet long. Yeah, I mean, that uh, that fits the bill. Yeah, I mean, that could I mean, be some kind of weird creature that we just don't know about living anymore. Plesiosaur right. or whatever, you know. All right, that's right, that's right. And if there was more than one of them, which to me there's got to be. There always has to be more than one, right? These things right. don't live right. forever. 
Right. So uh, that could have even been a younger one. Sure. Who knows? Maybe a, a larger one is 40 feet long. Who knows? You know. And but if that you would look make at a like, wake. What, that would make a wake when it's cruising along. No doubt about it. No yeah. doubt about it. Um, and we don't know how it swims. If it kind of porpoised a little bit, just kind of like undulating like some of the birds do in flight where they flap and they go up and they drop and they go up and drop. Yeah. Uh, a lot of birds have that pattern of flight, like when you look at uh, some of these ornithological books and whatnot. And I watch the birds all the time, and I can see the ones that do that. Others fly relatively straight, kind of flapping constantly. Uh, you know, so, yeah, I could easily I could easily see that happening, uh, this undulating movement on the surface, uh, kind of going in and out as it as it was swimming. I I just I find all of this stuff fascinating and I don't find it beyond the realm of sensible possibility at all. Right. So I haven't seen one and I think it's probably true. And I haven't seen a Nessie. I'm never at Loch Ness. (laughs) Uh, And I still have within me the ability to say, I believe that's true. Sure. You know, well, I I, you know, I you've heard me say a lot of times, I, you know, for me to believe that there's a creature under the water that that we think doesn't exist, it's pretty easy for me to believe that. Yeah, yeah. It's just an that unexplored is, area, you know. Yeah. Now, it's really remarkable to me, uh, and uh, I look forward to your exegesis on Nessie down the road a piece. Down the river a piece, perhaps. <laughs> Down the lock a piece. <laughs> Excellent. All right, Bill. So where are we going tonight for the account? Well, uh, according to Brian Lynch, his Bigfoot sighting on the Dream Lake Trail wasn't a dream at all. Now, listen closely as I tell you about what Brian saw. It was in July of 2015, not all that long ago, folks, when a couple of my besties and I were on a hike in Rocky Mountain National Park on our way to Dream Lake. About four hours into the trek, We were following a meandering trail at elevation, working our way around an enormous boulder. From our vantage point, Long's Peak was visible way in the distance. To our left and falling away from the trail was a slope covered in some grass, brush, and small pointed pines of many shapes and sizes. As we had just made it around this large boulder, there were several other smaller and flatter rocks that seemed to be inviting us to take a break, and so we did. The trail here almost gave the appearance of tan beach sand in contrast to the surrounding color palette. Just ahead of us, at a distance of about 200 feet, 
This tan trail wound around a bend and vanished from our view. The three of us had chosen different spots to cop a squat, so to speak, on two different rocks. My back was to the very view that I just described to you because of where and how I chose to sit, as was my friend Kevin's. Bobby, however, chose to sit on a smaller boulder that was about 10 feet down the slope and was facing towards the direction of our heading. I was munching on a couple of packages of cookies and drinking a bottle of Gatorade when Bobby said, Hey guys, there's someone coming. It was about two seconds after what he had just said registered in my brain that he then said, What the heck is that? Startled, Kevin and I quickly spun around. The three of us were now sitting with our collective eyes fixed on a large brown figure that had stopped dead in the middle of the trail ahead of us. Having just come around this bend I spoke of earlier, I guess momentarily it hadn't registered in Bobby's mind that he was looking at a Bigfoot because we now were all too well aware of what it was we were seeing. The creature appeared to be equally as shocked as we were from the way it had suddenly stopped and stood. It was staring right at us and began to rock from side to side. At this point, we had all gotten to our feet and were looking right at it as well, wondering what to do. I think the distance was more than likely about 100 or 125 feet or so, if my memory serves me correctly, as we stood and faced each other off. Now, what I'm about to say may seem really off the wall, but of course, Bill, I'm going to say it anyway, because nobody who reads your books will ever meet me to beat me up about it or verbally browbeat me. In that moment, a deep sense of despair and even loneliness started to overwhelm me as I stood there. It hit me like some type of spiritual wave, and this feeling wasn't for us, but rather for this creature. I felt as though it was emotionally distraught and in some way, shape, or form wanted to communicate that to us, but couldn't. There was absolutely nothing aggressive whatsoever about its posture or its actions. To me, it was exuding sadness. What I did next, only a pet lover will understand. But I gently raised my hand and said, Hello there. We are your friends. I tell you the truth and no lie. 
In the moment, I didn't have an ounce of fear in me about this creature. I only felt sorrow as though it badly needed our help. No sooner had I said this than it raised its arms gently and kind of nodded its head, retreating back from where it had come. As soon as it moved out of sight, Kevin, not knowing how or what I was feeling, said, That was awful. I asked him, What do you mean? He said, I felt like I was at a funeral or something. It was like a heaviness was all over me while that Bigfoot was standing there. I told him, I can't believe that you just said that because all I could feel was sadness about this thing and you just confirmed it with your own lips. He said to me, yeah, man, it was like I just wanted to talk to somebody or like it just wanted to talk to somebody and was even more upset that it couldn't. We all slowly walked up to where it had just been and could actually still see it walking back down the trail. As we stood watching, it turned its body one time to look back at us and disappeared. When I say that you disappeared, I'm not talking about around a blind corner. I'm talking about it had vanished, like now you see me and now you don't. The three of us stood there looking at each other and the trail as if to say, did we just see that? And yes, we just had. I looked down at my feet and I could clearly see the prints of what would have been large human-like feet in this somewhat sandy surface of the trail. This being that actually had substance to it, having left tracks, had vanished before our eyes. I have no explanation for what I have just conveyed to you, nor will I attempt to rationalize the event in any way, shape, or form. You can simply accept it or reject it entirely, and I will understand. As the creature stood in the trail at a fairly close distance to us, it seemed to be almost seven feet tall and at its, at its shoulders twice as broad as the trail, being some four feet or so. It had simply come to a halt upon seeing us and was gently rocking back and forth from the waist up. The hair was somewhat long and brown, and I could see the skin of its chest through the fur. <laughs> the skin on its face looked like a weather-beaten, dark grayish color. The hands the same. How is it that something that has form and shape and function can just disappear is beyond me? I really don't expect anyone to frankly believe me, even you, Bill. Yet I have told the story again and again, 
And now I have told it to you. What do you make of that, Kev? That's pretty wild. I mean, you got some very detailed and interesting descriptions of the creature, right? All facets of the creature. You have the creature leaving, you know, what sound like beautiful footprints on this sandy area, and yet the thing disappears. So it's close enough that you can get all of these detailed descriptions, and it is leaving these, you know, worldly footprints, and then the thing just disappears. That is weird. And, you know, even if it was just a dusting on the trail... If you walk down there with your shoes or boots or barefoot, something's going to be there for a little while in that dust. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, but it makes me think about uh, other uh, shows we've seen where these things just kind of, now you see it, now you don't. Yeah, the whole cloaking phenomena. Very, very bizarre. Yeah. And how something does that, I mean, I have said when I've seen some of the heat signature footage on some of these shows, how does something put off heat and then doesn't? Yeah. That doesn't happen. It's got to go somewhere or disappear or or or, or yeah, not. Yeah, would be have anymore. to like drop below ground or something like that, you know, or right. have some type of cloaking mechanism. And you know, Bill and our listeners, I'm a bit of a skeptic. Of the cloaking thing, just because I, you know, my scientific mind tries to follow the theorem of Occam's razor, where, you know, Occam said the most obvious solution, uh, the most obvious, you know, uh, uh, reasoning for what you're seeing is probably the most likely. Uh, you know, you know what I mean? Like, uh, it, it, wasn't lit well and disappeared behind a tree or you never saw it originally or something like that. Those are the obvious explanations. Like some mm-hmm. type of scientific cloaking or magic Harry Potter uh, disappearing cape. Um, not likely, but yet you you hear these very vivid descriptions like this one where it really makes somebody like me scratch their head and be like, I don't know how to explain it. Yeah, and I have no idea where this uh, feeling of sadness and remorse comes into play. That's a whole different thing. I have no idea. That's some really strange commentary, you know? Yeah, but you do have many accounts, Bill, as you know better than I, where people talk about these creatures somehow communicating with them without Mm -hmm. speaking words or making noises. Right? Yeah, kind of telep- telepathically, Telepathic, something to that. You know, yeah. sending a sense of feeling to them. Right. So, but and that's right have, there. That's right there with the cloaking, though. To me, you know, it's like, hey, could be, but wow, you know. And many others have also commented about being in the presence or in the area of these creatures and feeling very sick. Uh, becoming like incapacitated, like they're being overwhelmed, and not just because <laughs> of the stench that some of them describe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, not yeah, just like the walking, stink. Like walking in an old service station bathroom that hasn't <laughs> been cleaned in thirty years. Yeah, hey, I was in one of those the other day. Oh, that is the worst. I did look around for a Bigfoot, but didn't see one. Yeah. 
if you've ever walked into them and then you ask some of the guys working in there, hey, can I use your bathroom for a minute? They're like, sure, it's right over there. And you go in, and you're like, this is where these guys go? <laughs> oh, oh, man. <laughs> then you see the guy eating a sandwich. You know, his <laughs> hey, you want a bite? <laughs> oh, no, thanks. I just had a really good breakfast. It'll last me all day. <laughs> and into the next day if you see me tomorrow. Yeah, if you're still here. <laughs> <laughs> when I come back to pick up my car tomorrow, I don't think I'll be hungry then either. So exactly. Thanks. Don't worry. Just finish it up. <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, I tell you, man, that is freaky deaky, the Dream Lake Trail. Yeah, well, I mean, what do you think, Bill, well, of the disappearing Bigfoot? You think they have some type of cloaking mechanism or something? Kev, you know, I've said it before, and for people who are new to the show, and it, it really doesn't matter because I, I repeat myself uh, ad nauseum. Uh, I think some of these encounters are from the demonic realm. Okay. And so when you see something vanish... Uh, it doesn't belong to us. It's it's non-earthly. So, yes, it can come in a physical body, uh, but when it goes back to where it goes, it assumes a former status uh, uh, in that dimension or that realm. And that's all I can say. You know, it's like, it's no different than an angelic visitation. We don't see angels every day of the week. You probably will never see an angel in your lifetime. But there are many instances where angels take on physical form, including clothing, faces, footwear, the whole megillah. They come, they deliver a message, and poof, the whole kit and the caboodle is gone. They don't leave the clothes on the chair of your car, the seat of your car. The guy that was standing in front of you in the woods, uh, his cloak and hat doesn't drop to the ground and he's gone. Everything is gone. Right. Now, so could, big- Bill, too, there's another theory, too, and I know we've covered it in some of the accounts, that it could yeah. be some type of alien being that manifests itself like one of these creatures, Right. Yeah, but then again, you have to say to yourself, what do you believe aliens are? Oh, well, yeah, fair. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, I kind of lump all of those things into the same thing. I think all of that stuff is demonic. And I stand my ground. I understand people have other opinions. But I think these things are a distraction. They're trying to get people to believe uh, something that really is not as though it is. Yeah, but, I mean, are you saying you, you don't believe that there could be uh, some type of uh, alien spacecraft from other worlds? Uh, I think they're from other dimensions, not necessarily from other worlds. Okay. Uh, I use the account, uh, let's just say the old story of Joshua, the prophet Joshua. Joshua is standing in front of the host of Israel preparing for battle. And suddenly, from his side comes a man walking, dressed in full battle array, carrying a sword. 
Now, I visualize Joshua as some guy who's really not going to stand around too long before you're going to be on the receiving end of his blade if you don't identify yourself. And But he hangs tough, and he says, who are you? <laughs> identify yourself. Are you for us or against us? That's what he said. And this guy, whoever he was, and his conjecture about that, he says, I am the captain of the Lord of Hosts. <laughs> so, I guess... You know, Joshua and his boys, his captains, whoever he had with them, must have been convinced in that moment, like, all right, brother. <laughs> Thanks for coming to help us out. <laughs> now, let's have at it. Now, where did this guy come from? He's dressed, he's got armor, he's got a weapon. Uh, he looks in their time frame to be... Somebody who they recognized as a man of war. He didn't look like an alien. He didn't look like a robot. Uh, and yet, here he comes. Yeah. Here he comes. Where did that guy come from? Hmm. You know, and where does he go when he's done? <laughs> you know, I mean, this is some bizarre things, man. You know, and... Uh, it's very difficult to ask the question, what do you think? Because you're going to get people from all points of the compass. That oh, have yeah. An opinion I mean, you know, the, you know, I mean, I certainly believe that some of the stuff is demonic, but I think there is a possibility that there's intelligent life out there in other uh, solar systems, universes, you know. I mean, yeah, and, and there you have it. Yeah. You know, I mean, that That is the nature of the beast when yeah. we're talking about all of these odd, strange things. Yeah. Uh, you know I have definite opin spiritual opinions in my yeah. own life. So yeah. I voice them. I'm not ashamed of any of oh, them. Oh, no, nothing wrong with that. But I, I talk to other people, co-workers, people that I uh, speak to on a regular basis, callers from the show, and uh, they have very different opinions. Yep. You know, and that's really kind of what makes this whole thing spin, right? <laughs> cool. Very yeah, cool account, though. I love that from uh, Rocky Mountain National Park out there yeah. in Colorado. Been there, yeah, yeah. hiked around there. It is spectacular. Maybe I've even been on the dreamy trail. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll tell you, Kev, I'm really digging on that... Uh, Lock nesting. I look forward to uh, yeah, 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 uh, kicking that around a little bit, you know, because that, you know, you you want to talk about something with some history behind it. That's right up there, you know. Now, and folks, check out the video. It'll be in the episode section of our website, BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com, under uh, episode one four nine. So, mm -hmm. all right, Bill, yeah. well, we got some great listener mail this week. We're going to hit on. And uh, okay. the first one is from one of your favorite states here in the United States. Would that be Oregon? <laughs> yes, from Callan, from Oregon, or Oregon to me. And uh, Callan writes, Dear WJ and KJ, I really admire your brotherly connection. So refreshing that you both have such skills. I wonder what skills they're talking about. 
<laughs> and bring so much to the podcast you do together. I discovered uh-huh. your show when I was in bed at home for a week recurring from the dreaded COVID. That uh-huh. was just this last January 2022. Now I'm going back through the shows and I am hooked. I listen when I go to bed and during my workouts and basically any other time that I can. Let's all mm-hmm. thank the good Lord for Bluetooth headphones. <laughs> and he says, let me tell you a little bit about myself. I grew up in st- and still live in the state, and they spell it Oregon. <laughs> I may be able to find and send you a T-shirt that I used to see growing up that simply said Oregon, which is O-R-Y-G-U-N. That might uh-huh. help. Or not, because I know you love driving us nuts with the way you say it. <laughs> My wife is Canadian, eh? I put the A in there. And, and we have traveled all around the western part of Canada. It's such a trip to hear about places that I would not otherwise know if I didn't marry her. Uh-huh. One time, when I was about seven or eight, back in the mid-1970s, My father took me and my big brother to see the famous Sasquatch movie in the theater. I was terrified of Sasquatch for my entire childhood. I was convinced that at some point I would look out my bedroom window and he would be there looking at me. Mm. And by the way, Callan, that that wouldn't be Sasquatch. That would be Dogman. And he may be looking at you while you listen to this podcast. (laughs) Sorry, Callan. And then Callan goes on to say that he lived in the city of Eugene. Um, Now, close to 50 years later, I get to enjoy hearing about the realities of this creature, fascinated and thrilled by the different accounts you share. I never imagined that the subject would be such an interesting journey through history and geography, both of which are super interesting subjects to explore in this context. Cool. Um, And Callan also writes that, P.S., last summer we went to the coast, the Oregon coast, to camp Mm -hmm. in our RV. Right after we arrived and I got things buttoned down for the family, I walked out to the beach to see the ocean. It was dark out, and as soon as I got through the opening of trees to hit the clearing, looking west across the beach toward the ocean, I saw four lime green lights in the sky zip Mm. from west to the east over my head, traveling at a magnificent speed. They were in a diamond formation And I just stood there stunned. Hello. UAP? I know it was not in my imagination. There is some stuff out there that we just can't explain, but we know it's there. Wow. Now that, that is a righteous email, brother. Yeah. And Callan, I have spent a lot of time up and down the Oregon coast One, I think it's one of the best-kept secrets in the United States of just stunning beauty. And two, when you go walking out there on that beach with the cold, ice-cold ocean out there and the really broad sand beaches in Oregon with the largest chunks of driftwood you ever saw in your life all along the uh, beach, 
You know, you're mm-hmm. not going to see a lot of other, not a lot of air traffic at all yeah. uh, coming across there. So, man, that had to be spe- a spectacular sighting, Callan. Yeah. Four, uh, what did he say? Four green lights in yeah. a triangular shape? Yeah, a diamond. A diamond. Not much I know, Kev, that has that shape or that light yeah, lime green lights. Come on. So. When was the last time you saw lime green lights on anything? No. Let alone an airplane or no. fly some craft. No, maybe a Christmas tree. Yeah, so. <laughs> and, and once again, Callan proves my point that he was looking and now he's sharing because this is what he saw. No big deal. He didn't try to elaborate or over-elaborate about what he saw. He simply stated what he saw and he believed it to be real, yeah. as do I. I agree. Wow. All right. And now, what, oh, what, mo- what movie do you think he was talking I about? I don't know, Bill. Boggy Creek Sasquatch movie. I don't know. Yeah. When did the Boggy Creek movie come out? Legend of Boggy Creek? I, I don't know. Probably in that time frame. This is 70s. Yeah. That sounds right. I guess so. Uh, but interesting, you know, and always good to hear from you folks. You know, contact us at BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com. Hit the contact button and start typing. Tell us what you've seen, what you've experienced, what you like. Uh, we're interested in hearing from you. Sorry, Kev, go ahead. No problem. And our last email we're going to cover this week comes in from Bobby from the great state of North Carolina. Hmm. And Bobby writes, hi, guys. I live out in the western part of North Carolina near the city of Asheville, close to the Biltmore Estate. And he writes, KJ, not sure if you've ever been there. And I have been there, Bobby, just so you know, and it's beautiful, it's spectacular. The old Vanderbilt Biltmore Estate, which mm-hmm. originally was in the middle of nowhere, absolutely spectacular. And I'm going back in a couple of weeks as well. But Bobby wow. writes, wanted to run a theory by you guys. I know that historically there have been a fair amount of hoaxers out there dressing up like Bigfoot or Sasquatch, donning, you know, large wooden feet and running around in the mud. But these days, with so many of us carrying more gun than we think we're ever going to need, I would think (laughs) there'd be far less, if any, hoaxers out there. What do you think? I think you're spot on, because if somebody just thinks they're going to be the guy to bag and tag a Bigfoot and make a cool million uh, I think there's a lot of cats out there that would pull a trigger on you and you maybe what, regret it when they find out you There's a lot of cats here in North Carolina, right, Bobby, that wouldn't think twice about yeah. shooting first yeah. and asking questions later. Yeah, mistaken identification. They might not even think you're a Bigfoot. They may just mow you down to see if you're worth a buck. <laughs> but, Bobby, you know I, I, mean? I think you bring up a really good point. I mean, I, I often think that, too, because one of the things that's really frustrating about covering, you know, Bigfoot as part of cryptids and other oddities is, you know, some of these things are hoaxes. And mm-hmm. it's kind of like, you know, I don't think like we covered Nessie tonight. I don't think there's a lot of Nessie hoaxers out there. Like, it's just harder yeah. to do than to put yeah. on an ape suit and run around in it at night. But if you do put on an ape suit and run around in it at night, you got to be nuts because somebody's yeah. going to shoot you. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it's just look, Kev. Obviously, it'd be very difficult to run around, in particular at night, in an ape suit. Uh, I mean, in the dark and in the woods over branches and no, I know, you know but I'm come sure on. people have done it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, they're crazier than a loon if they oh, have. Yeah. But I mean, you're you've right. seen some of the video. Maybe not at night, but you've seen some of the fake videos. We've seen some of the great videos too, but we've definitely yeah. seen some where you're like, "Yeah, that ain't real." <laughs> All right. All right. Well, that's it this week, folks, uh, for uh, for listener mail. And I want to also take a minute to thank all of you for the great five-star reviews. Please leave us a five-star review, even if you've left us one a while back. And if you want to leave us a five-star written review, that's even better. Bill and I both love to read these reviews um, Mm -hmm. uh, out there on your favorite podcast player. So thank you so much for supporting us. Yeah, and by the way, folks, also, like I said, go out there and buy one of my books, please. And don't forget my new book, UFO Sightings and Encounters, Volume 1 by W.J. Sheehan. Excellent, excellent uh, accounts in there for those of you who are interested in the UFO phenomena, as am I. And remember, if you should find yourself wandering along the Oregon coast, remember one thing. Always carry more gun than you think you're going to need. Sleep tight.